Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Funk not only moves, it can remove. Dig. <laughs> Today we are talking about Steam Funketeers, uh, the tabletop RPG by Balagun Ojitade. Yes. Um, Steam Funketeers is a quote-unquote steampunk type of setting, but it's steam. It's funk. Yeah, it's funky, man. Which is using that time period and that aesthetic of steampunk to tell stories that are more focused on the black perspective. Right. Uh, um, it's that, and, and I think, well, I mean, steampunk has kind of an alternate um, timeline to it. And in general, you have at some point somebody invents a steam engine that works you know, like a computer. Mm -hmm. So you have like basically modern type technology working, you know, over a century ago, um, running on steam as opposed to electricity. Right, right. Um, I think one of the first steampunk things I've ever read was uh, uh, William Gibson, and there was an, he was writing it with another guy. It was a story called Oh yeah, The Difference Engine. Yeah, I've read that. That's that's actually a pretty good book. Yeah, it was a really good book. I enjoyed it. Um, but steampunk, of course, has its problems. Um, you know, even though you see a lot of, uh, you know, it, it seems like a veneer of progressivism on the surface, it is still a setting that glorifies colonialism. Right. Um, and yeah. it's it's you have these people engaging in this thing where they're taking on the aesthetic and kind of an attitude um, with a really not so pleasant time in our history. Yeah. yeah I think what, what a lot of um, happens in so-called progressive steampunk is they um, have um, diversified characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the underpinnings of, like you said, imperialism, colonialism uh, still exist from that time period. Right. So um, the Africa that we see in steam, um, steampunk, um, it, it's implied that it's, you know, similar to the Africa that existed in the, the Victorian era, which was, you know, rampant with colonialism. Right. And, and, you know, decimated by the slave trade. Correct. And meanwhile, all this is going on, the steampunk period is also the period of the American Civil War. Right. And the Old West. Yeah. A time where... There's, there's no other way to put it. It's just Lady, Lady Liberty wearing a white hood. Yeah, um, and he goes into a lot of that um, in the the last third of the book, mm -hmm. um, where he talks a little bit about the timeline of events um, and and the setting itself. It's actually pretty educational. Yeah, well, he also he also integrates uh, bits and pieces of the histories that occur in uh, uh, several books. Um, from himself, uh, Milton Davis, 
Uh, there's a there's a very extensive reading list in the back of this book. Yeah, I think he's in in the in the setting itself. I think he's using his own works um, as as the default setting. But yeah, there are other steampunk authors. Right. Um, <clears throat> what I what I really liked about um, how he sets up the setting is that uh, he takes uh, a a good um, just blending of events that actually happened mm -hmm. um and events that happened in his writing in Balogun's writing mm -hmm. um and and fairly seamlessly uh uses that to create an, an alternative history um, right. and and it's there's a timeline that's pretty detailed as well as events and and some of them you're just like did that happen or is that part of the there's that part of the um, the alternate history, right, right. But it is it's it does not shy away from the issues associated with the time period. No, not at all. Um, and and it's one of um, Balagan Ojitade's strengths as a writer. I think is to create these um, realistic, um, just worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, seamless worlds that make sense within themselves, and he he applies that to the setting of this game. Right, right. Um, this is not the first the first thing we've seen from Balagon Ojitade on the on the RPG front. He worked with Melton Davis to create the Key Conga role playing game. Right. Which, to be honest, um, that setting is more my style. Mm -hmm. Just. Right, you're a big you're a big fan of sword and sorcery, and by yeah, extension, okay. sword and soul, because it takes all the great stuff of sword and sorcery without and leaves behind a lot of the bad stuff. Yeah, I just I, that's you know ever since I was a kid, that was what I liked to read. So that, right. that really touch that setting touches me. I'm not as much into um, steampunk, steampunk. Mm -hmm. um, just, um, you know, to be honest, that era of of human history, the Victorian mm -hmm. age, the Old West, doesn't excite me as much. Um, it's funny. We were. It was like when we were talking to Matt last night. Mm -hmm. um, he was, and he was like, "The reason I didn't play in your uh, Japanese game is I don't really care about that setting. It doesn't do it for me." And I totally get it because I feel kind of the same way about Victorian. Um, you know, the Victorian era, the old West, just kind mm. of like, eh, eh. The antebellum period, all of that. Yeah, it's, it's there. Right. <laughs> it happened. So um, I get it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not extraordinarily well read in steampunk either. Um, like you, it's even though I do tend to like Westerns, um, we had this discussion when we uh, did uh, Edge of Sundown. Edge of Sundown, right? Um, that that I prefer. You know, I like westerns more than you do. Yes, and I I, I do prefer um, a weird western mm -hmm. to a normal uh, western to a normal western. Then mm -hmm. certainly those elements are included within the purview of steam steam funk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, he, he he makes it a point to 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 uh, touch upon basically 
how you can apply this setting anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, you know, he has a big extensive write-up about what the United States is like in this setting, what Canada is like in this setting. And he, and he goes, like, pretty systematically throughout everything and talks I, about that. In in his lore section of the book, which is toward the, the latter half of the book, he does have a fairly extensive section on Japan at the time. Yeah, see, um, now, there you go. It's which like, is funk in Japan. Um, the late Tokugawa era into the Meiji Revolution. Yeah. Or restoration, actually. Right. Um, which is a very interesting period in Japanese history. Right. And and it works well with the themes of steampunk because you're talking about how Japan is becoming um, very quickly westernized. Mm-hmm. Um, very which, much so. which is part of that steampunk kind of feel. Right. Because right. you, you really are. You're talking about the westernization of the world mm-hmm. uh, in a way. But rather than but rather than focusing on how um, you know glorious the westernization of the world and, and the Europe Europeanization of the world is, um, steam funk and by extension this game tries to offer the experience of what it's like to to not kind of resist that <laughs> to not be white in this setting right um, right well because the you know there's no other way to say this the default in most fiction and most uh, gaming <clears throat> pardon me is going to be white mm-hmm. that is an assumption that <clears throat> you're going to make um and you know actually Balagano Jotati talks about that um in an essay he wrote on his blog um, mm-hmm. about how he got into playing D&D and why he started creating his own settings. Uh, but that's, right. that's, you know, we we actually covered that a couple of years ago when we were talking about um, Sword and Soul. Right. So by extension, uh, Kikanga. Right. But it, it, it hits the same note there that, um, you know, there, there are other stories to tell. And right. um, and other perspectives aside from the white Victorian perspective, um, and yeah, he does you know give you a little bit of an alternate history, but it's it's slightly alternate. It's mm-hmm. not um, he doesn't he doesn't gloss over anything in here. He's it's pretty you know pretty harsh. Oh, very very harsh it's a, as as a criticism, uh, and it's not untrue. That is correct. So. While, and the one thing that that he strives to do is in in creating the setting for this RPG, is to make sure, like any RPG, that the character, the player characters are empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are these are not. You know, yes, it is is an oppressive time, um, and nobody nobody can deny that. But we have, you know, individuals and people who uh, are able to surmount that. Right. Um, there, there's a combination of his own characters and historic characters and legend, legendary um, characters mm-hmm. that he, he incorporates into, into this that are, you know, larger than life uh, characters in the game itself, like Harriet Tubman, uh, John Henry... Uh, Bass Reeves, 
all of all of these people, some who, whom are historical, some who are legendary, you know, just legend fable, and mm -hmm. and some who who are you know, they come from Balogun's mind, um, right. and but they're all part of this, and they're all like the the icons, if you will, of mm -hmm. the setting. Absolutely, the the, and, the paragons, and, the thing, the people to aspire to be. Right, and and as a player, you know, these are the 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 uh, role models or as a character not a player but as a character these are the role models that you're aspiring to be like you said right in, right in the game. so as a setting fantastic it is a it is a fantastic setting it is a necessary setting um to to consider in the realm of speculative fiction in, in, mm -hmm. in the realm of alternate history um, and it's very important that such a game exists. And that makes the second part of our discussion a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get to let's get to the actual game itself. The nuts and the bolts. The nuts and the bolts. Steam Funketeers is at its root a fate uh, based system. It does. It, it takes a lot of um, what what Fate Core has to offer mm -hmm. and embraces it wholeheartedly, um, which which is great. I actually I I like Fate. Mm -hmm. um, I've I've the only my only actual playing experience with it is the icons thing that we're running, mm -hmm. which, which is heavily Fate influenced as well. But it's really fun to play. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> It's very open. Um, you're not as constrained as you are um, in something like D something that's like D and D or even Call of Cthulhu, where right. everything that your character can do is completely like statted out and listed in front of you. Right, right. Fate, for those of you who are uninitiated, um, is is an evolution of the Fudge system, um, you know, numerically, but. The main mechanic of fate is the um, economy of what's called fate points, where you have narrative elements built into your character that you are able to um, activate for um, bonuses, yeah, advantages, several effects through the course of gaming. Um, in turn, you can activate them for a benefit or the game master can activate them as a penalty. Well, it's, and, it's kind and there's of like this interplay in this economy of exchanging fate points, taking on advantage and disadvantage at the opportune moment to in really enhance the role playing experience. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, the, the three, three, three point five, the hero point, mm -hmm. uh, where you have, um, a hero point, Allows you to do fantastic things, alter die rolls, re-roll, um, change narrative aspects. It's it's a pretty powerful tool, but in D and D, it's um, it's a rarity. Right, right, um, and really, it's kind of second fiddle to to just rolling that d twenty with your bonus. Right, in in fate, that is the main mechanic. Mm -hmm. Um. So without getting like too like crunchy into what it, what goes on that that um ability to to change your fate so to speak <laughs> um is, is key to how the game plays 
Mm -hmm. And Balagun takes this core mechanic, probably our favorite part of Fate, um, and one of the things that got us to play Icons to, to begin with was because it was very Fate-based, and we wanted to play something Fate-based uh, just for uh, the change, the refreshing change from playing things like D20 or... Um, uh, or what is, what is the Chaosium system? I keep forgetting what it's BRP. called. BRP, basic role-playing. Yeah. Uh, Percentile-based system. Um, where Balagun gets a little different from, from Fate System is he changes up the dice mechanic and uses a pool uh, of six-sided dice uh, with six being a success and you're rolling to at least make one success uh, out of your pool versus a, an opposing role from the Game Master who is also trying to roll a success. Yeah, it, it's a tough mechanic. It, it is is a very tough mechanic, um, especially early on in a character's um, existence where you don't have a lot of um, skills mm. or you know um, points and skills. Right. So roughly how it works is you get to roll the amount of dice. Your pool is how um, big your how big your skill is. So if you have a two in a skill, you get two dice. Right. Three in a skill, you get three dice. Um, very similar, very similar in mechanic to um, the West End Games D6 system that we played with Star Wars. Kind of, but the but West End Games doesn't. You just add them up. It right. You don't have to get a um, a six to be successful. Right. It's almost an, a mashup of that and um, the um, Vasa mechanic Shadowrun. Well, like I was gonna, yeah, Shadowrun, but like. Um, uh, like the the weird dice from Fantasy Flight, Star Wars, or L five R, where where you you know you're trying to get a certain symbol and, and amass as many of those as possible in your pool. Right. Um. Unfortunately for 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 that, there's multiple facets of a die that has that symbol on it <laughs> instead of just one, which is sins. Right. Um. It's just you know. Take take three die and roll them and see if you can get like two sixes consistently on it. Mm, right. Um, and and you're not going to get a lot of successes. Okay, but you have these fate points that help you out. Right. In fate, um, the way fate works is you have dice that have a, a blank face, a, a minus, or a plus, mm. and you just add it all up. You add your pluses, subtract your minuses, and you're trying to get. Um, a target number, and it, or you're not trying to get a target number. Actually, um, one success is a is like a certain level of success. A two is certain level. Blah blah blah. And your skills add to to your your dice. You roll four of them consistently, right? And your fate adds to the amount of successes you get on your dice. So you can roll, you know, conceivably four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, ten successes with four dice. So right. With this, you be, even if you like get fate points and you get extra dice in your pool, you're still trying to get sixes. So you're 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 not you're you're increasing your chances of success, yes, but not as well as you might think, just pro, um, probability wise. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not a statistician, so yeah, I don't know what the actual mathematical curve is. Uh, but I know that for one d six, it's of course it's one in six chance, right? And you know, it it only skyrockets from there. How it many goes, sixes you can get out of say five d six or four d six, right? So that's a tough mechanic, and I think that as a player, you want to succeed in what you're doing. It's mm. natural. You don't want to um, have to, you know, fail um, more right. than you succeed. But especially, especially if you've built your character to be good at certain things. Mm. This is true. Now, of course, all you need to succeed is a single success. Yes. Um, so now. I don't recall. I, I don't recall what the rule on a tie was. Um, but it, it's it's a harsh mechanic. It, it is. It's a harsh mechanic. It is very difficult, and it becomes a mechanic that really relies on the the fate system heavily. Yeah, uh, you you uh, really have to sit there and and think. It is very cerebral for a role playing game in that you really have to sit there and think of different ways you can get you as a player can get a numerical upper hand um, and yes. get a couple of more dice in your pool uh, by exploiting um, situation attributes and things like that. Like, uh, you know, well, you know, the, the weather's good, you know, or, you know, using an obstacle or using the environment, and using tags associated with that to get a couple of bonuses to your role right. um, and, and add to that pool. So, you know, a nice uh, exploit of a, of a environmental advantage can get you another two dice in your pool. Right. The only but, in this game to me is on the GM to provide opportunity um, for you to get extra, um, extra points. Mm-hmm. The, um, what are they called in this? Uh, it, vigor. So to to you get vigor by um, by having your your aspects, which are these descriptors, um, used in negative ways uh, against you by the GN. That's mm -hmm. the main way to get it. So let's say, and we'll just dip into the, my my uh, icons hero. Um, let's say that my ass, one of my aspects is justice waits for no one, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in the middle of doing something and, uh, you know, looking for clues or in a race around the world or whatever. And you come to find out there's, um, you know, a mugging going on. The GM can compel my character because justice waits for no one. You have to go and take care of that mugging. Here's a, here's a, uh, you know, a point of vigor right exactly but but the value of vigor in this game is such that you need a lot of vigor to be able to succeed in your t in doing your tasks right right um so you it, it really you have to be a, a cracking gm right to, to uh to to make it i think interesting enough for the players so they want to do things so they want to roll the dice and, and commit actions right 
Um, you know, a little bit of the onus is on the players as well. Um, you you play up to your your aspects, mm-hmm. uh, but really a lot of it I think is on the GM. Um, I I think that this game would benefit if they just if it was just wholeheartedly uh, the fate system for dice as mm-hmm. well. Right. Um, now. <clears throat> Yeah, you talk about you talk about the the onus being on the GM, and there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of interaction between the player and the GM, and as we said with the with the fate system uh, being this kind of economy of back and forth, and almost kind of wheeling and dealing that can really in in very tense narrative moments within the story can really be just as intense as the action your characters are undertaking because you're you're you know, in invoking those aspects uh, to get the points of vigor, and then you're you're spending those points of vigor, right? You know, rapidly to either take control of the narrative, get yourself a bonus die to your pool, right. you know, for the various effects, or or um, tap some tap an enemy's aspects as well. Mm-hmm. Tap an enemy's aspect to to you know hurt the GM's chances. So there's there's not only just this cooperative exchange between players and the GM, but there's also this kind of um, uh, adversarial relationship between the player and the GM. And there are times within the Steam Funketeers rules as written uh, where it seems like the G the house always wins. Yeah, and um, you can tell Balogun likes his games of chance. Oh, and, you know, you know the house always wins. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, one of the interesting aspects of, of of this particular game is that the GM from the onset of the game uh, starts with six dice in his pool for all of his actions. Yeah. Um, and he, he can also... It, it is crazy, uh, especially... Um, I tried to roll up a character from the very beginning just using the rules... As written, mm-hmm. um, there is a rule uh, early on where it says that the uh, the GM can give out as many points of vigor as they like, and I presume that is both over the course of gameplay and for character creation, uh, because it is necessary to spend vigor to get skills. Yes, um, every character starts with three, and they start at three at one die each. Uh, and you also base start with three vigor. Now, rules as written, uh, that character has three skills at one with three points of vigor that they can spend and all of their narrative aspects, mm-hmm. which is numerically extraordinarily weak. Uh, but if you look through a lot of the NPCs and um, example characters that are included in in the in later part of the book, you see several characters with three, four, five points, um, five dice in any particular skill and skills that go outside. Right. Now, there, there is there is a, an experience system where you can the vigor that you earn and are awarded you can spend uh, to increase uh, your skills or other attributes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, also a feat system of sorts. Um, right. 
which is like like a magic system called the brushed. Mm-hmm. And you have um, supernatural abilities as well. Right. Right. Um, and, and the brushed are are kind of the empowered uh, superhuman characters, but it's not always like internal. You can have fabulous machines that grant right. you these abilities or magical powers, or you can just be born that way. Right. Which is which is a really interesting dynamic into the setting as well. So, but but you you do improve as a character. It's not um, that you have a static character. Mm-hmm. Um, that and your and your dice pool is always going to be like extremely low. Um, as you play, you're going to get better. You're going to have better chances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking of starting this game and just creating a character and, and just playing out of the box, so to speak. Right. I don't know if using this um, system of, of dice would um, make me want to come back to it mm-hmm. um, just because it seems like it would be a really frustrating mechanic. Right. Well, you know, it, it's one of those things that as I was creating the character, I realized that there really has to be that GM interaction uh, there to tell you, okay, you know, create a character. Everyone has um, an additional ten points of vigor to spend. Right. Um, and and yeah. Now, if you have a GM who's who's like spot on and paying attention to everyone, and um, you know, giving everyone opportunities to earn vigor and to spend vigor, mm-hmm. and, and and putting challenges that are appropriate for that level of character. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, it's going to be a fun game, but just from you know my own experience as a GM, you know a lot of the times you have an idea and this is what you want to do, and it might be too much of a challenge for uh, for players. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a fine balance to do this, right. um, and and and. Creating a beginning a beginning level adventure is more difficult than you think because mm-hmm. you have grand ideas in your head, but right. you can't just to use D and D. You can't have like a bunch of first level characters go up against an adult red dragon. Right, it just doesn't work. But an adult red dragon is, you know. It's terrifying. It's exhilarating. It's like what you're there for. It's the name's on the box. Dungeons and Dragons. There is a right. dragon. You want to go into the dungeon, <laughs> you better be a dragon at the end of it. Right. But you can't do that with, with like straight up out of the box. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people want to. And um, I think, I guess it's reverse power creep. I, I it seems like the challenges in this game for low, low experience characters um, would have to be, you know, uh, scaled challenges. Mm-hmm. And I, I and, and you know, yeah, certainly there are GMs out there who can definitely do that. Right, but. But, but I think more often than not, you're going to find out that they want that big finale on the airship that's, you know, crashing into New York Harbor. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, with, on, on the airship and the brave sky pirate 
uh, is being invaded by you know yeah, a like horde of white fight. supremacist bastards, there's and the players want to take these guys on barehanded, right? Because you know. <laughs> that's what you signed up for. That's right. That's 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 the allure. That's the excitement. But, but really, you know, your challenge might be more along the lines of um, sneaking into a low security fort to uh, rescue prisoners that were wrongfully taken. Right. While um, three quarters of the guards are out on furlough at a brothel in the town, right? <laughs> which, which that's that's not to say that those types of scenarios and challenges for players are not as much fun as the big action set pieces, right? In a role playing game, um, you guys, you we've done it several times where you know we have a big action set piece, but the setup. Or the big action set piece uh, is often more fun because it's okay. We have to sneak into the prison, and right because you you know, but like things like that, you know, I design. You're, you're of course talking about the finale to Nippon no Kage, where I pretty much designed it that if you went head first, you were going to die, and you knew you were going to die. Mm-hmm. You knew that you couldn't do that because you, you knew what your characters were capable of, um, and you knew the system, and and you know that you had to find an alternate means to, to get in. And even that, you know, getting to that point was really challenging. Mm-hmm. I thought, right, but um, Steampunketeers is the type of game where you really have to take advantage of what's called zero session where where the gm and the players sit down um character creation happens all at the same time you discuss the world you discuss um the basics of your plot you're not going to give away your entire plot no gm's going to do that no but you want to have some parameters right but it, it gives this this shared aspect to the world because everyone sits around and as they're thinking of you know their character concept and they're talking to the GM about their character concept, um, you know somebody else might be sitting there at the table and go, oh, I can I can play your cousin who does this, and well, and I that mean, be and it becomes this, and the GM is sitting there just constantly taking notes and and describing you know uh, qualities to the world. Um, and and making suggestions, and there's just a big, big social interaction. That's actually how fate is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you're supposed to have a, a zero session, so you can all be on the same page. Right. And the, the world gets created as the characters get created, and you don't just create your own character. You have a hand in creating um, everyone's character. So mm-hmm. you assign aspects. Like you said, uh, you're my cousin. That becomes like a, a relationship aspect between the two characters, right? And right. then you know you, you want it to be more a little bit more exciting than you're my cousin, right? <laughs> but you know that that's how it all starts, right? Um, and of course, while all of this is going on, you know, GMs because you and I are both GMs and we we both can be very evil bastards. Um, when it comes down to it. Um, is sitting there, everybody's assigning their aspects, thinking about their aspects, and the GM's just sitting there giggling the whole time. Yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this guy. Well, no, and that's like that's the sign of a good character. Um, is when you, especially in, in a system like this, where if you have your aspects are good enough that the that both you 
and the GM and your fellow players can think of ways to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. That's that's fantastic. It makes for a great game and great teamwork um, in, in the setting and, and good challenges. And that, that's this this game has all of that. Mm -hmm. um, right. The narrative, the narrative potential of Steamfunketeers is just out of this world. Absolutely. The, the stories you can create as, you know, interacting between um, players and GM um, is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I would just like to be able to do something as a player in that setting and, and get stuff done and not worry about, even if like you took, instead of just sixes, you made it like uh, fives and sixes. Right. Right. Broaden the, broaden the margin of success or something like right. that. Yeah. Or if, if, you're, if you're set on using that dice pool mechanic, mm -hmm. uh, just have, have more chances for success in the dice pool. Right. And instead of having it be, you know, roll X, you know, X D six for, you know, and you're looking for one success, you know, roll XD6 and, you know, to succeed in this task, you know, try to get two successes or, right. you know, later on in the game when people, you know, have spent a lot of vigor points uh, developing their character and customizing and tweaking little things with, with feats, uh, which are ways to modify skills. Right. You, 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 you want to you want to throw a grappling hook onto this airship and okay give me you know this that that's going to be this moving uh that's going to be a five success task right and and of course and the player goes all right i'm going to do this i'm going to invoke this aspect so my dice pool is going to be 12 13 d6 you know and as you say um it might go a little bit quicker if the players had that you know five or six right well just like this, the, the challenges um, grow with the skills of the players, mm -hmm. the the kind of things that you have. So instead of getting one, like you said, instead of one success, you want to get uh, two successes at this point because you're doing something a little bit more difficult. Right. And so, like a lower level character who has like a um, you know a jump of two, right? Can't you know? Yeah, they'd be able to go across like a, like a ten foot pit, um, you know eight times out of 10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, put some alligators in that pit and have um, the rope, you know, be fraying. So it becomes like a four success. Um, right. Get there in time before the, before the rope breaks. And right. under this type of system, really the GM, the GM's role is kind of out of it. Uh, right. You, know, you want to hit the guy, you know, his, his defense, it requires, you know, you need two successes to hit the guy. Yeah. So just like some 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 tweaks to mm -hmm. just the, the dice rolling mechanic. And I guess at this point I should we should mention that the copy that we have is not um, the official copy. It is the uh, you know, it's it's the the what do you call it? It's like an arc of it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is like the its final form. Right, right. Um, one thing that that I think would need would needs to be changed in a second edition, because uh, Steam Funketeers is already uh, out in print. You can get it on Amazon. But I, you know, reading through it, discussing it with you, preparing for the show, we've we've actually been preparing for this show 
for what, like three weeks now, four weeks? That I mean, it's a role playing book. It's big, right? It's and, big, and and it's you know, there's a lot to parse. Yeah, some of it is very familiar, like the fate stuff, very familiar. Right, right. Uh, but some some of it like is is um you know integrated into fate, and that takes a little bit of of uh, wrapping your head around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now while you could play this this current version as it is um with you know few tweaks here and there uh just to to balance things out a little bit because it does seem a little bit unbalanced right out of the box and a lot of it can be solved with with a little bit of assembly a little bit of cooperation um between the players and the gm and in that discussion and zero session um type of setting but um for a later edition of this game i would like to see um something along the lines of um hit points or wounds or stamina or something like that that is a like a concrete uh track of you know how much punishment your character could take right right (laughs) now it's set up as as your health is conditions very much like um the apocalypse system Right, you break uh, your leg. You take on a broken leg quality, and that has a penalty effect. But, you know, unless you're, like, got it really down, you know, there's no no real way of discerning how well you're doing at any given task. Right. Something like, um, go back to Fate, because it bases a lot of it in Fate. Um, you have um, a number of boxes that you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like a light, medium, um, and heavy consequences, I think, whatever they call them. Um, and, and, uh, when you get hit or wounded, you know, you check off one of those boxes, um, mm-hmm. to, to avoid being taken out. And once those boxes are filled, uh, then you're, you're out of the, the scene. Now, the good news is in fate, uh, it's, it's not um gruesome you, the the stakes aren't high you don't have death on, death is not on the table right. um you get taken out for a scene mm-hmm. um so i guess you can die if you know if that's you put the aspect of death on you or whatever mm-hmm. but um you know it's more story driven it's not that that's not what kind of a game fate is right, um, right. and there are there are game systems out there that are diceless Mm-hmm. Uh, you could conceivably, uh, with a few tweaks, run Steam Funketeers as a diceless game. Mm, I like dice. I know you like dice, and a lot of, <laughs> and people do like the um, you know that random element in there because it doesn't matter how good your character is at something, you could just get a really bad roll. Yeah, TPK is right around the corner. TPK always on the way. Um, but yeah, with a, with a few tweaks, you could do this as diceless, and and some people are into that type of experience, where it is more of a, a game of cooperation and concession, and you're sitting around the table using a mechanic to tell a story, right? Uh, very similar to the um, the Spectrum Games uh, Eldritch Tale story, where the, even your randomness is dominoes, but um, those dominoes are really, you know, very constrained to narrative cues. Yeah. <clears throat> Rather than, you know, roll to hit. 
Um, so yeah, I would like to see a little bit more in in a, in a second edition of Steam Funketeers. I would like to see a little bit more of the uh, some of the more traditional RPG elements. Well, just um, some way to track damage, or you know, or whatever mm-hmm. uh, you know needs to be tracked. Right. Men- mental health, damage are the two big ones. Right. Right. Um, a lot of times, trauma, not health, mental trauma. Right. A lot of times they're pulled together under under stamina or vitality or something right. like that. Um, and vitality would probably be very fitting for this setting as a, as a health mechanic uh, since your fate points are vigor. So right. you have vigor and vitality. Or vim. You know, vim and vigor. There you go. There you go. That that even fits well within the the uh, the lexicon, the lexicon of the setting itself. Vim and vigor, and you know, and you can instead of stats, you could have you know like strength, dexterity, and whatnot. You could have humors, right? Well, they don't have stats, right? There are no there are no stats in this game. This is this is kind of a skills skills and aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I I yeah, that's cool. You're you're defined by um, your occupation or your archetype, mm-hmm. which um, defines like your starting skill set. Right. Yeah, I, I, I guess you know that would be nice. Um, as far as skills go, I would broaden broaden the skill starting skill sets. Um, yeah, from, I, I think from three. You know, yeah. To maybe five or six, or you know. You get these three automatically. Choose, you know, four more, or right. something like that. Right. Um, you know, that's that's what I I feel, and that's probably my only real criticism of Steam Funketeers, is that while at the at its core, at its beating heart, it is it, it is a fantastic mechanic. Um, that really needs a little bit more expansion and a little bit more detail. Um, if the you know, the mechanic was as detailed as the world, then this game would be like um, in in the big leagues, really, as far as quality of content. Um, you know, it's still good, um, still playable. Uh, I, I would not suggest Steam Funketeers for a new player. Yeah, or, I'd or agree with you. Uh, the, you know, this is a game that really you have to have experience with role-playing games to to sit down parse everything that's in the book and then make it work right know what's going and on. make it fun yeah and that's really that's the key is it going to be fun mm-hmm. and and i agree with you i think with like a little bit of tweaking here and there i think this would be a, a great great fun mm-hmm. i think it would be great fun uh, uh, I believe, as you suggested, um, you would you would give this thing like a one hundred percent A plus if it were a steampunk uh, setting book for the Fate Core, correct? Yeah, I, I think that if if this was like if you ran this um, with the setting mm-hmm. as a Fate as a Fate uh, game, it'd be great. Uh, you you can do it like right right now, just like come up right. with like some some weird adventure and and go for it mm-hmm. um yeah but 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 fate is kind of that's how it's kind of designed it's it's designed once you like 
figure out the nuts and bolts of it, mm -hmm. it's you, it's designed to be able to pick up and just go and right, right. With, with minimal amounts of, of prep. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I would like to see it as either a system neutral. Like fate is, is a setting neutral. It's a universal system. You can apply to any setting. Right. Uh, but you don't see too many RPGs out there or role-playing products in general that are system neutral oh. where you could go through and play any, um, any game that's in an OGL fate D 20, um, Hold on. or anything like that. Cause they, I, I bought this really cheap from, um, from drive through. Mm -hmm. Uh, where are you? There you go. Astonishing worlds, mm -hmm. which, is, which is system neutral. Um, like, sword and planet kind of thing or yeah. well maybe not sword and planet but like you know uh like old school um flash gordon kind of um planetary romance type of stuff yeah no oh, right on which would that'd be that'd be a great way to spin a, um a steampunk game is just psh, get space 1889 with it <laughs> yeah I, I just really just just um you just brought that up <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I have one. <laughs> right, right. Steam. So, so Steam Funketeers. Um, yeah, I think would be great as a as a system neutral setting, uh, where a GM could come in with a group of players and um, play it with their preferred system. Yeah, that's true. What you could, what yeah. you could, could do uh, the with what you have now in 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 this first edition, um, or as you said, with a you know, just a straight uh, source book for for the Fate system, uh, which you can play. You do not have to buy the Fate core book to play Fate. Um, it is an OGL game, and the system reference document is available on uh, Evil Hat's website. Right. You know, um, just speaking of adapting different systems, uh, maybe it's just easy because I'm used to it, but I think that it would be fairly easy to adapt uh, Steampunketeers to BRP. Mm -hmm. uh, you already have archetypes or occupations like mapped mm -hmm. out for you. Just, yep. you know, go through those and, and pick, um, you know, skill, more sets of skills. Uh, you definitely want to run it pulp. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, it would, so you, Steampunketeers would just be great. Use the uh, BRP. <laughs> Use the, the archetypes in the book as a BRP occupations, right? Mm -hmm. And then use the archetypes from Pulp Cthulhu as the archetypes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to have Cthulhu in it. Um, right. You know, it's it's BRP, basic role-playing. It's, it's, you know, generic. Just use those rules, though, and you can run this um, as, a, as a BRP game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you can um, do it for Savage Worlds as well. Savage Worlds, uh, yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these universal game systems, you could do that. Um, it's like really easy to to take a setting and tweak it a little bit and plug it in. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's. I think I think Steam Funketeers is a necessary game. 
it this this is a game that needs to exist. This is a game that people need to support. Um, but it does need some some tweaking uh, mechanically to to be an absolute winner. Right. And and it recommended for experienced gamers. Yeah. Unless unless you're playing it in a using a system that you have experience with. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Right. Right. So a new GM may yeah, have you, trouble trouble right out of the box. Yeah, you uh, definitely want to get an experienced GM, preferably one who has run fate mm-hmm. or a fate like game <clears throat> to to uh, do this for you, just so you get used to like some of the concepts. Because a lot of these concepts are new and alien, especially if you don't play fate based games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first time I read through both Steam Funketeers and because it was like right at the beginning where we were prepping for icons. Right. And I was searching for a system that would be easy and something we wanted to play. You suggested Fate. And I was looking through um, the core and the system reference document. Um, and Steam Funketeers came out right around the same time. Yeah, it did. So, so we started our read through while I was prepping for icons, and yeah, at, at, at the very can, very beginning, for someone who's never looked at fate before, fate can seem very daunting. Yeah, but, but once not. once it clicks, though, you look at it and you go, you yes. just, your brain just explodes with the possibilities. It's really easy to. Mm-hmm. to pick up on once you have all the concepts down right and i i'm still getting used to to to, to fate as a system but i'm i'm really enjoying it i'm jazz I, I love playing icons mm-hmm. i think it's great there's right. like so much that you can do that you don't have to be constrained by mm-hmm. you know a skill set right you still have a skill set now it's a lot more flexible Right with Steam Funketeers, uh, I'd be jazzed to play it, but I would have, if I was running a game of Steam Funketeers, uh, either for Microphones of Madness or, or you know, just for people sitting around a table, I would have to take um, a little, little more prep time to really sit down, cut the cut the rules apart, and and you know make sure that everything is is constructed. Do any of the tweaking that I. I Feel it needs to do, um, and and that's great if you're if you're one of those types of GMs who likes to get into a system and get your hands dirty, um, you know, making little tweaks and house rules and stuff like that. It's fantastic. Um, but if you're a new GM just looking for you know having to educate agitate a rule uh, right off the bat, and you know the book itself is not um, always that helpful. And that yeah. would be my other criticism is that you know, the the book didn't seem very well organized. Yeah, it could have been indexed better. Uh, I think as as you and I were discussing it, there were a few points where uh, you had a question from later in the book that was answered like from a paragraph at the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of uh, cross-referencing going on. You know, see 
see this page or see that page or or right. an index. Um, well, I mean that you now that might be just a, a layout issue. The uh, layout issue. Um, another thing that both you and I agree <laughs> that needs uh, that it needs from a layout perspective is charts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a, not a huge fan of overcharting something, but having charts in there does help. Right, right. Uh, like, you know, overviews of, of the skill list in a chart form or, yeah. or, uh, for easy reference. Right. Dice, um, you know, condition mechanics and things like that in a chart form. Yeah. Charts, charts make things a lot easier to refer back to. Yeah. Just um, don't overchart because mm -hmm. you get like GURPS where like you open up to like 20 pages of charts and you're just like, what the hell? Right, right. Well, I mean, you only you only really need charts um, when you have long lists of things, mm -hmm. um, long lists of circumstances or or abilities um, that you can do. Um, the 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 things you can do with Vigor is laid out pretty well. Um, you know, nice bullet point presentation. Um, but when it comes to skills and things like that, you know, just the, a wall of text regarding skills, you really, you know, when building a character and selecting skills past those initial three, um, yeah, a nice chart with an overview of skills. So you can go, okay, I do that. So I can just flip that section look it up read the full description and go okay yeah i want to do that or no i'll pick something else yeah i agree but there you have it steam funketeers a necessary rpg um that could use a few mechanical tweaks yeah and that does it for this episode keep 30 luck points 30.